Hello everyone and welcome back to the Barely Bookish Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about Salem's Lot, the 1979, yes, mini-series. Um, and I am joined by Nova and also James. Hi. Hello. I was going to say- We're in what... my category now, movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say what uh, type of, like what this streamed on, but I actually have no idea. Like oh, what, Shutter. what channel? Shutter. Shut- uh, no, like uh, TV channel? When it would have originally came out? Do you have any idea? It's made oh, for TV. Uh, yeah, made for TV. I think it was made... Let me get that for you real quick. It was distributed by Warner Brothers. It was originally aired November 17th and on the 24th in 1979 on CBS. CBS. Interesting. Which, I, back okay. then, a lot of King stuff got pushed on there to CBS. There was Golden Years and a couple other things. Um, I think in the nineties, that's when he started working with the program for ABC. So if you kind of notice, like even in the post two thousands, NBC, when he did, uh, Mr. Mercedes, that TV show and a lot of his like murder crime thriller that had cops in it, that was Mm -hmm. all NBC. So each one of the huge television heads at that time, they all got a piece of King's, you know, paycheck. Nice. I don't. Uh, was that still the era of time that they had like, like sex, drugs, and stuff couldn't be shown on TV? Well, television really changed a lot more in the '90s. Whenever they did NYPD Blue, so yeah, we were still kind of living in the, you know, like what's. I don't always want to sit there and say the mom and pop, but kind of like that. The, the '70s, you still had like the spinoffs of uh oh my god it's the Fonz. not the brady bunch but spinoffs of that too mm-hmm. you were still in that era of television you know we, we had already passed the honeymooners which was the 50s uh we were kind of edging out of brady bunch which was the 60s mm-hmm. uh you kind of had a uh, little house on a prairie i think still going on i want to say Gunsmoke was still going so yeah you still had family wholesome entertainment hence why this was only a two-night event you know, hosted so late at night for probably children not to consume, but just for the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there was like for a little bit, there was some sort of like TV laws, but I don't yeah. know when that ended. In, in a sense, because really television, television was always the family thing, even for the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was a strict thing that at night between the hours of um, six to nine, that was family time. So, you know, like you even had Full House, which again was like early 90s. You still had that. But as we edge closer into the 90s, when we got shows like NYPD Blue and The Sopranos, they were much darker. They went on a little bit earlier sometimes. So, yeah, we kind of started seeing a change up. We still have the, 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 you know, the family friendly model today with certain shows. But obviously now we're allowed to say stuff like ass, damn and hell and shit. Um, even kind of side t- side tangent on wrestling, uh, back in, uh, like the mid, the, the mid nineties around 96, 97 ish, uh, two guys called Degeneration X, Shawn Michaels and triple H, they would sit there and say damn hell and shit, but it would always get censored because USA was against that. They were like, we like the program you're doing it, but can you please not you know say all of these words because they kind of go against our core you know value you know we want to keep our sponsors and so what they do they went and they said the same thing 
on television in a press junket mocking Bill Clinton, but obviously they 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 blurred out the uh, or they they blurped out the the, the swear words. And then obviously they're all like, hey, man, you can't fucking say that. And all of it would be blurped out. And so it's just them arguing and swearing. So that was kind of where television started changing, where they started to implement even just those simple words. But if I remember, I think NYPD Blue sat there and said ass. That was the first, I think it was that or bitch. It was one of those two where that was implemented right then and there. And then that was groundbreaking enough because mm-hmm. you said a swore. You know, you said a swore. I swear, you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, I had an excellent morning. Okay, so my 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 dialogue could be a little iffy. You know, I was thrown through the ringer. Yeah, it's fine. I like it. I've spent all. So yeah, it's family friendly. It's seventy nine, so it's family friendly still. So. Yeah, I noticed that when they're like, oh, only doing one single kiss, and that was like supposed to be the sex scene. Between um, what are you talking about? Oh, well, yeah, they they allured to it when they went to the park. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was funny. You, you, well, do you really want to sit there and have on television like hearing like cheeks clap on? Well, you on know, television? usually like a nice little fade to black moment or something. And this was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Like, well, also not. too, it's 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 where they're at because back then, even like in the the sixties, where Alfred Hitchcock reigned supreme with Psycho. When he did, what is it? Oh my gosh, Jimmy Stewart. Like uh, North by Northwest. At the mm-hmm. end, when uh, Jimmy Stewart and, and his love interest are getting ready to have sex, obviously they couldn't even show that in film. Mm-hmm. So they they used a huge metaphor for it because they were on a train and everything. And the moment that they're snuggling up and kissing, it cuts to outside the train and the train's going right to the tunnel to insinuate penetration. So... Yeah, Toby Hooper obviously did not have a train and a tunnel to insinuate that. But yeah, you know, it's a fun way to get around those sensors of all Mm -hmm. like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, the train, the train's going to the tunnel, you know. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's funny. I did not. Hitchcock was Hitchcock was really, really great about doing that. He was great about working around the censorship. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So just starting off with this movie, um, I can totally see how people would think that Ben and Mark are like related because they very much look related mm-hmm. in this, in the prologue, yes. especially. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting that they decided to cut out the entire prologue. I feel like it works better for a movie. I'm not necessarily upset about it, but I just thought it was like an interesting choice. Like, I don't know why they would show Guatemala at all <laughs> if they were just going to cut out the entirety of the thing. You know, well, it w- it was supposed to be like their throwback. It it, it was it was just it was the uh, what is it the framing device for the for the whole movie. Was, That's fair. Was yeah. they, they, they were already out, and yeah, they cut out the priest part and everything. It, but it, it was more or less supposed to show these two people are on the run. Why are they on the run? And mm-hmm. then we would have play out over the you know these two nights, the events, and yeah. everything. So yeah, there's a lot of the prologue. Uh, and the epilogue gets changed a bit, but I still think that this still did it justice. You know, you, you didn't, just... you, you didn't, you didn't, it wasn't completely horrible for, yeah. for 79 to adapt something this ambitious was still pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not upset about it. I was just like, I don't know why, like you did it, but barely, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the yeah. 
79 graphics of the glowing blue holy water though slightly killed me i thought that was hilarious i, <laughs> I love mean, it oh my god like they could have just made it glow but they had up like this like jesus holy spirit white orb in it and it it was good it was pretty good but but if you know of course in the book whenever they would hold the cross up what did it do it glowed so it yeah. made sense you yeah know, it that, that, that I, was doing, yeah. They didn't make the crosses glow, but they made the holy water seem a little bit more powerful. And also, too, they're working on a budget of $4 million. For a two-night yeah. event, for what you saw, that was $4 million. Yeah. And that's pretty damn good because usually now it's more than that today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Toby, Toby Hooper knows everyone. how to work on a shoestring budget. And they had to fly everyone out to uh, Mexico, right? Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure that they probably filmed all that you know, in South Cali. Which oh. is close enough to Mexico, but a, a lot of this was a lot of this was filmed. Uh, I recently had a uh, uh, my photographer friend uh, Miranda. She had a uh, Airbnb up in I want to sit there and say it was kind of North Cali where they filmed the majority of this. Mm-hmm. And she sent me a picture. She's like, "Does this look familiar?" And it took me a while. And it's all like, "Is this where they filmed Needful Things?" And she's like, "Right author, but wrong story. And I was like, well, what was it? She's like, this is where they filmed Salem's Lot. I was like, you're shitting me. You're in the town? She's like, yeah. So she had That's an awesome. Airbnb. Yeah, it was like right around North Cali. Um, I'll try to sit there, see if I can get her to send pictures to you guys. Even over the main us, scenes are in California? Yeah. Like that small town. Yeah, it, it, it's all filmed Movies? in Cali. Also, okay. too, at the same time, I think this was right when David Soul, who plays Ben Mears, was getting right off of doing Starsky and Hutch. He played Hutch. So he was already an iconic television actor and to put him in the lead, which is funny because Ben doesn't have blonde hair, but in this one he does. Hence why okay. when you look at the prologue in the movie, they look like father and son because both Mark and him are blonde. Mm-hmm. They really know? did, yeah. I thought for some reason I imagined him as dark haired, but I was like, okay, maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. But I'm glad yeah, to not, know. Uh, you, you can go on YouTube and watch. There's this one channel that David Soul does and he recently did the uh an anniversary video and he like he shared so many stories about working with uh james uh uh was it i think james mason mm-hmm. yes james mason who played straker and mm-hmm. uh working with a bunch of tv legends like george Dezunda and all that you know more or less just kind of like all this other stuff and he, he kind of got like a little bit of a tirade with the remake of starsky and hutch mm-hmm. but uh he, he did an excellent job of kind of bringing us back to 1979 and what was it like on the set but yeah most of that stuff was all shot in california they probably went down to south cali close to the border to shoot the guatemala scenes you know which down in at that time i don't know if it is today but they had some pueblas down there to kind of make it look like they were in mexico um i don't know too much today about that but yeah that was 79 well, I mean, with the fact that they were stark sweating most of the movie, I think that makes a little more sense then. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I love my favorite thing about like 70s and 80s movies is they have no shame in the game of just straight sweating through scenes. And yeah. I think it's kind of funny. I don't know why. Uh, it's just one of those like movie things I really love is when you see the actor like kind of struggling, but like not breaking character. Um mm-hmm. Just like one of those things that gets me. Anytime I see someone sweaty when they definitely shouldn't be, it kills me on the inside. I just think it's really funny. It's just my thing. I so. will defend though. Bruce Willis had every right to be sweaty and die hard. 
Still haven't seen Die Hard, so I'll take your word for it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best Christmas movie ever made. It, it takes place on Christmas. I know. Oh, okay. Every, I, you gave yeah, me that no. look like... Listen, every like, man has said that to me, basically. <laughs> Daniel? Like, no, he hasn't seen it either. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> We're not big like TV movie people. Like we okay, play I don't know where we're going to go with this friendship now for the <laughs> remainder of the podcast world. I don't have a problem with it. We just don't really <laughs> do that very often, you know? I get it. I get it. I had you're just cable come- for like decades, so I'm yeah. very behind the curve. <laughs> I try, but I'm very behind. Yeah, I, I was mostly a book person, obviously. Mm-hmm. We had like 10 news channels and then like 10 other channels that was a collection of country music hallmark the yeah. local advertisement and then a, like oh, a couple hallmark. others <laughs> so uh great time i looked it up and 4 million uh in 79 is about 16 million today oh very That's- good Love that. What what was that again? Uh, four million for the budget. Uh, then is a, equivalent to about sixty million today. That's still not bad. That's still a lot better than what most you know TV show miniseries and everything to begin with. But also yeah. too, the reason why this looks way bigger than four million dollars it's it's all to Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, who mm-hmm. you know, for any movie buff out there knows this is the man that did the texas chainsaw massacre he did the original and he did that on i think an even tighter shoestring budget compared to the four uh the um the the four million that he got so like yeah to you know to to go from texas chainsaw to i think he did funhouse after that and then he did salem's lot and the, the man doesn't get enough praise to me, I think this is actually his best work. He did Chainsaw, Eaten Alive, Funhouse, Poltergeist, Life Force, Invaders from Mars. Uh, okay, hold on. He did Eaten Alive and then he did Salem Slot. Never mind. I got way too ahead. They did not put the TV <laughs> with the film. I got. I was like, wait, he did Poltergeist way before? I was like, no, that makes no sense. Poltergeist was the 80s. So yeah. I haven't seen know. any of these movies. Oh my god! I've heard of most of them. Guess yeah. who's good? <laughs> I've heard about them. You, you guys are sleeping on some real good legends. All I gotta sit there and say is some of those movies I've mentioned. You know, those are the absolute best kind of like cheesy horror or trash horror, Listen, especially invite eating me alive. On your podcast, and I'll talk about it. I'll <laughs> <laughs> While you're getting, I, I've by definitely me. heard good things about most of them. Uh, like I said, just said I just didn't have a lot of exposure, so now yeah. it's like ketchup, and it's like, uh, well, okay. yeah, that was the same thing about <laughs> us. It's you know, I I only discovered these films through like the video rental store, which yeah, that's putting an age on me. I was still part of that generation, you know. The last movie I ever rent from a video store was Godzilla: Final Wars, and that was like early two thousands. <laughs> so like that goes to put an age on me. 
but yeah and and then came streaming and in streaming you were so able to catch up on everything that you miss and so i spent most of my high school life and my my uh, early adolescence just binge watching horror films that were both trash and just absolute god awful i have a fun story about streaming services Okay. I have an aunt who early 2000s, someone came to her door selling stock for a company for a streaming service. And she was like, ha, yeah, that's never going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It was Netflix in the very like early stages of Netflix. Yeah. She's right. like, I could have been retired by now. <laughs> okay. Here's a fun I'm one. like, oh my God. I've got you beat. Daniel's grandfather used to have like a lot of money so Mm -hmm. he owned a 20 acre farm i think um in the middle of brainton it was middle of nowhere like where we used to live and someone came to him and was like hey you should not sell this yet one day it's gonna be a really big town called lakewood ranch and daniel's grandfather was like no no that town is where all the rich people live (laughs) <laughs> and where his farm is is where my parents just like built their new house oh my and god yeah it's like that land is worth so much money it's insane and had they never sold it when they did um daniel would have been like a millionaire like millions heirs my family had had a resort on the main coast and when the person who owned it passed away. None of the kids wanted it, so they sold it. <laughs> and I'm like, no. no! Anyways. Um, oh, uh, I did like the fact that Ben hardly ever watches the road because I was like, dude, you're going to kill someone? Um, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, the way that explains the wife's death. Yeah, literally. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Literally. In <laughs> in this adaptation, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. Exactly. And then also, uh, he keeps like rolling up to the Marston house. Like he just keeps showing up and staring at it, sitting in the driveway. Mm-hmm. I was like, more I cinematic. Also, yeah, but yeah. I was like, I'd be uncomfortable, dude. Like if this is real life, if so if I had just bought a home. And someone kept showing up. And they're like, did you know there was a bunch of murders committed here? I'm like, no, dude. What? <laughs> Why are you telling me this? Also, the Marston house from the outside, very cute. Um, this is how I know I would have been that, that, you know, white girl that gets murdered in the first five minutes. Because <laughs> I would have been like, oh, that's a cute fixer-upper. Um, and that's the problem <laughs> with me. And so we went inside. And then I was like, ugh. No. Yeah, but you do know that whole outside that that you see, that's all built up set. That's not the real house. Yeah, but it's so pretty. It is. It is. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. for that, it's like, oh, like, I would love to see that house. And then I found out in a documentary, yeah, no, um, it's not the real house. Wait, the Marston house is based on a real house? No. no. Okay, so when they were doing the filming and they were Mm -hmm. looking for a house to be the Marston house, they couldn't find any house that would look like that house but they found where they could place it and so they ended up building a front so they paid the people it's mm-hmm. like hey go on vacation mm-hmm. we're gonna build this and everything because they made a deal and like 
what was it? I think they sat there and said that it was it was fine to do it, but uh, leave the lumber. And so that's what they did. They 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 left it there. They they just you know left it all there, and the guy just pulled it apart and used the lumber for other stuff. So there's an actual real house on that property, but quite obviously the house that you see on the inside that's just a studio. Nice. Um, but I know I'm pretty sure people are listening to this. He's like he's deconstructing the whole damn thing. It's like yeah, welcome to filmmaking 101. <laughs> this is what this is what I do, folks. I deconstruct and everything. But it's so awesome because the owner of the house had no clue what the house and the script was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. So when he drove up the road and saw what they built, they're like, this isn't my house. This isn't my house. And like his <laughs> neighbors and everyone else were like, what happened to your house? What did they do to your house? And it's like, yeah. Amazing. And yeah, it, 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 it scared a couple of the people and they're like, what happened? And everything. And I think even the what cops happened? were called at one point. And yeah, um, <laughs> there, there's documentaries on this and it's, it's some of the most silliest little stories of like what civilians deal with when they borrow their house to a filmmaker and they completely build over your house with this, this huge construct. And it's all like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Just leave the plywood. I like to use it later. So we have no clue what that plywood went to. Like maybe they use it to extend the, the porch or whatever, but have a bonfire. I don't know. Uh, right. They got free wood. Party. Essentially they got paid to go on vacation and they got free wood. I was like, I think cool. that's the, that is the best that you can get out of a film set. There's yeah, a, as long um, as I don't have to move stuff, I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Don't wreck my shit, though. There's a TV show I watch, and the farm, like the ranch that is in this TV show, is actually someone's home. And so, like, the inside scenes, they do it in their studio, but when they're, like, outside walking around, they actually rent this person's house, like, use their house. Yeah, they and, shoot like, exterior. outside. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can actually drive by and see it. it's locked, like the gate's locked, so you can't actually get down to the house. But like you can actually go by and like it's the full ranch, just still sitting there. <laughs> People cool. use it, it's their home. I'm like, imagine the money though that you get just from letting them come and shoot at your house. It depends. That. We like to sit there and just aim as low as we can and not have to spend as much of the budget. Yeah. That, like, there's but, some people, like, if they actually have the money to do it, they'll sit there like, hey, here, go to Disneyland, and here's the hotel for, like, however mm-hmm. long we, we need that. There's some, depending, but if you're an independent film, it's like, hey, can we borrow your place? We'll promise to clean up afterwards. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That is it from the independent, you know. I yeah, think they have, like, them sometimes as extras on the show as well. Because, like, yeah. some of the in-town is, like, the actual town that's there. And, like, they built one of the restaurants, like, made it look like it. And it's actually a running restaurant under the same mm-hmm. name now. <laughs> they just use it when they need it. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. I mean, honestly, if someone said to me, they're like, hey, can I borrow your house for a film? I was like, are you going to wreck my shit? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, are you going to mess with my cat? And they'll be like, no. And I'll be like, yeah. Have fun. But don't wreck my shit. Right? That's all I care about. Like, I don't really care. In my it's mind, it's like, I'm going to wreck her shit. I'm going to pet her cat. I'm going to sit there and do everything I told her I wasn't going to do. <laughs> as long as I give her little kisses, that's all that's desired. I was like, it. you pay me and I'm not going to kiss I'll some go. other person's cat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, then you can't use the house. That's the rule. She's got a very kissable forehead. Might have been pet the like, dog. They're like, come on, James, kiss, kiss the cat. I was like, I don't know where the fuck she's been. It's like... <laughs> I don't just go around kissing other people's cats, okay? It's like, 
Yeah, it's like going around kissing other people's moms. I just don't do it, you know? <laughs> Good lord. She finally curled up under her blanket, so now we got time. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, I did notice I, one thing i forget about 70s movies is that everybody looks insanely older because of the fact that there's no botox and there's a lot less uh like movie makeup you know what i mean yeah like, they mm-hmm. don't do as much like high what is that called it's, there's like a specific type well, of well again this is a this is only a four million dollar budget it's not it's not anything higher so yeah. yeah they're 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 having to use the best of what they could Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is a, there is a huge thing when when you looked at films back in '79 compared to television. It's television did look super real, and that's because the makeup, you know, that that whole dress wardrobe thing, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes even the wardrobe, it's like, why the fuck are they wearing that? That's freaking tacky as shit. Even <laughs> for its time, it's tacky as shit. But again, you're rolling with what you have, and you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I didn't really sit there and feel like this had anything super tacky, but yeah, you could definitely sit there and tell there, there are a lot of old people in here, but it makes sense. It's supposed to be a sleepy little town in Maine where yeah. not much of modern society comes in. It's more like it's, it's locked itself off, you know? Hi, our population is mostly old people. You're welcome. It's they the nailed Northern that. Florida. <laughs> Yeah. Look, they come here in the summer. They live here for six months. They go to Florida for six months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We share them. Yeah. You could have them all the time, though, actually. <laughs> if you want to keep them, that would be lovely. Thank you. Pretty sure she's tired of seeing, like, all those 60-year-old guys, you know, that are, like, in a, like, a little, uh, what is it? Um, Speedo. Speedo rolling down, you know, the freaking sidewalks and everything, getting their sunbathing on <sighs> with their liver spots and all that. <laughs> Dude, Over half of my my, my hometown mm-hmm. is owned by seasonal residents. They're not oh, there yeah. the majority of the time. Wild. What were you saying? The main problem I have is with snowbirds is the fact that they like to go 65 and a 70 and that there's also so many of them. <laughs> so many of them. Do you know how hard it is to get places in the uh, in the winter? Hi, we deal with them in summer. Actually, we deal more with tourists in the summer. Let's be real. Yeah. yeah. There was someone shared on TikTok the other day. That's a main person. They're like, bye, tourists. See you next year. It's like the southbound highway is just clogged with traffic. And there's like four people in the northbound. <laughs> Amazing. What a vibe. <laughs> so, um, another thing is they changed up a lot of the characters. So now we have Bonnie with someone named Colin. Uh, Colin's name is not the same because I don't remember what his name was, but it wasn't Colin. I think it started with an R. It was like Reggie? Yeah, I, th- I think it was Reggie. Maybe? I don't know. But it wasn't Colin and she is cheating with Larry Crockett. They took out all of Larry Crockett's story, basically. And like still made him crooked, but now he sleeps with Bonnie. Yeah, because Bonnie works for him and mm. everything. So they just replaced the te- uh, the telephone line guy with Larry, which really, if you kind of look at it in the book, they're both very, you know, slimy in their own ways. Crockett yeah. took a back deal mm-hmm. and was supposed to get all this money just for taking the Marston house and the laundromat for like a dollar. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. I, again, when when we go up with the um, the Glick boy that you know one of the guys find in the basement in the book and everything, and then you know it's like, oh, you didn't see anything, and pays him a little extra mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, they just they kind of melded some characters that they fit could go together, especially like Susan's dad is also Doctor James Cody, so yeah, they they combine those. Yeah, they they saved it also on just the casting. Again, four million, yeah. you know, budget. So they yeah. looked at who could be, who could they put together, and I think they did a fantastic job with it. It did. I did not like Doctor Bill Norton because it made it cringy with him, like believing um, Ben, in my opinion, because it involved him uh ben and susan in a lot more like intimate situations that her dad now had to know about and i did not like that i yeah i thought that was weird i feel like they should have casted somebody else to be i feel like that was people one combo that i also didn't really care for like i get combining um because obviously like you said money but also you can only have so many characters on screen versus in a book mm-hmm. um but that was one i was not a fan of just for that reason of it was just weird having him be so close to it versus previously not i feel like you could have meshed together matt burke and dr cody it just taken out a lot of matt's plot line with having a heart attack and mesh the two of them together and i feel like that would have worked better for me than having Susan's dad be the one that's the doctor. I really don't even feel like, I feel like those should have been two separate roles. I don't, Yeah. that specifically, I feel like yeah. should not have been meshed together. Yeah. I feel like the but doctor also, should have definitely been this, its own. I think in this adaptation, they, um, what was it? I don't think Matt Burke did actually have a relationship with uh, Bill Norton. Like, like in the book where yeah. Cody was supposed to have the relationship, they mm-hmm. completely axed that and everything. Yeah. But they, yeah. they actually had it more where they had it more in, in this adaptation that Ben Mears and Matt Burke had a connection. Because I don't think in the book, if I remember correctly, I don't think that they, I don't think Ben was a student of Matt. But no, th- was that was not. made directly. So yeah, they had to sit there and they had to exchange a couple things because Cody was a student of Matt. Mm-hmm. And so they switched that. So yeah, there's a couple mm-hmm. things. So if you think going into this that they're going to do a straight adaptation, they're not. But this is the closest uh, so far that they've ever done to mm-hmm. the cl- to like the straight ahead adaptation of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's to me, it's still the perfect one. You know, I I know we're going to be covering O four, but I fucking hate O four, and I hate what they did to it. They, they only did one good thing, but we'll talk about that later. They only did I, one good thing in that adaptation, but the rest of it, I was like, what horse shit? I want to see the producer. I want to see the studio heads. I want to <laughs> smack them. What the fuck were you assholes thinking? You know, <laughs> I'd like to yeah. see the manager, please. I'm wondering. I like, don't mean to be the Carl, you know. <laughs> I want to know what the next, uh, the one they're working on right now. I kind of wonder what that's going to end up looking like. If they even release it. Because yeah. again, mm-hmm. they they took it off the. It, it was supposed to come out this uh, the month of September. I think it was supposed to be September twenty something. Mm-hmm. I want to sit there say right around that time, and then they pushed it back to February of twenty twenty three, and now they just took it off the block because of the Discovery merger. Yeah. So, yeah, 
I don't even know if we're ever going to get this. I don't know. I'm curious, though. I'd be so pissed. We'll if we yeah. Don't. Because because it actually does have a really good cast. It has yeah. a pretty... Uh, Bill Pullman, if anyone knows who that is, uh, he did Serpent in the Rainbow. He did the Christina Ritchie Casper movie. She, uh, he played uh, her dad. Oh, yeah. And him, yeah, him. His son is playing Ben. Ooh. Yeah, and he looks almost like Bill. So it's, you know, like, like there's some act. changes. But yeah, like, I was really I looking like into it. I've never seen his son act. So I was like, this would be awesome if this mm-hmm. is his son's breakout role. And now yeah. I kind of feel like it just got taken from him. Yeah. I just, if it's already recorded, I don't know why they don't just release it. It's kind of dumb. Uh, mostly because WB after the Batgirl, you know, movie, because they did a whole pre-showing, even though it still needed money put into the budget and the budget had already been extended to what it was supposed to be. It still needed more special effects. And the, um, the, um, the pre-screening audience that got to see it, they, they didn't like it whatsoever. And so with the new discovery merger, the new CEO overseeing everything was Mm -hmm. like, no, uh, like HBO was throwing all of this DC stuff and some of this other stuff they're throwing on their streaming service. When most of this stuff needs to be at the actual cut because they're wondering why they're not making back their money is because they're throwing everything and trying to get the streaming platform to sit there and pay for it all when it's not. It's never going to sit there and cover any of those laws. So now yeah. what they're doing is they're looking at what are they going to cut? Because uh, we may even lose Doom Patrol. And I love that series of death. That's that's what, to me, what brought back Brendan Fraser. And now he's got this movie called The Whale coming out that he's getting high praise for. But there's a lot of these shows that WB's been doing. A lot of movies that WB has been releasing. And now with WB losing some studio partnerships, like for the the Dune movies and the Godzilla Kong movies, like the whole monster verse, they may lose it all because legendary is looking for a new home to set up shop. So right now everything is being completely redone. You know, Mm -hmm. they're focusing less on streaming. They'll still have streaming stuff, but they want to get back into the theatrical release. And that's kind of hard because of what we did in the pandemic. It was like, people need something to watch. We need something to, entertain these people until we get things back up and running and now that we've been trying to rely on the system for almost three years now we're trying to get back into the theatrical system again we're trying to go back to what was before and it's hurting so many other you know to me it's even hurting disney because you can definitely sit there and see the quality of what they're throwing out there on streaming and it's like Mm -hmm. oh if they actually worked a little bit harder this would have been a far more better theatrical release Mm-hmm. And and yeah. everyone's losing money. No one's really making money, you know. Yeah. Not even like the big studios. No one's making money, or as much money as they used to, because they're trying to find a perfect balance between streaming and the theatrical stuff. And that's what WB is going through. So I don't know again if we will ever see this because yeah, um, it has a great cast, and I think they had James Wan. Uh, be the producer of it so again you know another guy who works great in horror with the conjuring the saw and i think the i forgot what the hell the other the other supernatural movie thing the one that they have like five freaking sequels out of insidious there you go like the insidious franchise that was all done i think by james wan and Mm. yeah 
tirade over, okay, <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on my talk. But, but, but in all honesty, that's all what's happening. And if people mm-hmm. don't know, like, that's the de facto answer. It's companies are having to reschedule everything. Yeah. And we don't know sense. if we'll ever get this movie, let alone a whole bunch of other movies we've been looking forward to from the WB brand. But yeah. Discovery is trying to help. Fingers crossed, then. Yes. They they gender swapped Dr. Cody and race swapped. Alfrey Woodward played is playing Dr. Cody, or was. Someone Ooh. named Palau Asbach. Uh, he played Euron Greyjoy on the TV series Game of Thrones. He was, uh, he was oh, cast yeah. to play Richard Straker. Uh, oh. John Benjamin uh, Hickey is cast to play Father Callahan. Jordan Preston Carter is Mark Petrie. Nicholas Crovetti and Cade Woodward playing Danny Glick and Ralphie Glick. Spencer Treat Clark to play Mike Ryerson. Mackenzie Lee as Susan Norton. Bill Camp as Matthew Burke. They don't even have who the hell was supposed to play. Um, who was supposed to play. Uh, what's his name? Um not Straker, but Straker's master. Marlo? Yeah. But they have William Sadler in an undisclosed lo- uh, undisclosed role, so chances are he probably, William Sadler would have played him, which if you guys don't know who he is, um, he played one of the one of the important convicts, uh, Haywood, and the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, he did a lot of Stephen King properties. Um Apparently, he played uh, Matthew Ellis in Iron Man 3. Uh, he played Death in the Bill and Ted Bogus Journey and Face the Music. He played the villain in Die Hard 2. Uh, Did you say Barlow was the creepiest vampire I've ever seen? <laughs> I hate it. No. That was really uh, creepy. But uh, what was it? I think he was in... He was in Demon Knight. I think he was also in The Mist. Yeah, he was the mi- he was in The Mist. He played one of the the townsfolks that was following the crazy religious lady. He was one with the the hat and everything. Where they when they were making fun of Thomas Jane's character and the clerk with the gun about sitting there saying that they saw something out there in the mist. And that one uh, bus boy was all like, "Oh, you're full of shit." And pretty much they watched that boy get fucking ripped to shred by them tentacles. With the with the claws on it, I don't know if you guys have seen the mist. I have. I just cannot place the person. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure once you see it, it's like, oh, that asshole, and it's like, yeah, that asshole. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I just can't place it at the moment. <laughs> w- William Sadler, he's done so much work, and if he did play Barlow, I do think that he would play Barlow very much similar to probably how, um, what's his name he was in blade runner the original and he played the villain in that one uh but he played barlow and he was the most accurate barlow from any of the adaptations so far um he just had that look mostly because he's from i think he's from finland or he's from the netherlands so he has like because you know Mm, he was supposed to have those strong european features he had that that's the only thing oh four got right was Barlow and everything, and so yeah, I when I, I read the Barlow book, Barlow was supposed to be hot. Kinda. Yeah, it's like it's like he's kind of old, but like he looks like he could still be that charming kind of suave European kind of. But obviously, he could still be that like you piss me off, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn rabbit on you. 
Yeah, because I thought, like, people were, you know, he's supposed to be, like, a kind of, like, almost approachable, by the way, it sounded like in the book, of mm-hmm. people were yeah. like, oh, there's just this person here, and he came up and he talked to him, and then in this movie, it was just like, that's straight from a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be yeah, talking it, to him. Uh, Goodbye. In, in, in 79, it seemed like Toby Hooper was doing the Nosferatu Max Shrek look. Like, I... You, you know, Salem's Lot 79. Yeah, I haven't seen Nosferatu, though. Oh, it's not that far from a difference. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like, know I they, they almost copied it. They they almost copied it, almost look for a look, but Barlow had more of a dome, where mm. Nalder had more of a smaller head, but they emphasized a little bit more on his rat teeth and everything, yeah. so. I should have worn my Salem's Lot shirt instead of my ACDC shirt. <laughs> Uh, and other news of different changes they made. They also cut out Eva's first husband and just made it so she like married and divorced Weasel, which was a choice. Also, she called him Weasel instead of calling him Ed. Yeah. As if his name was actually Weasel. But also, too, at the beginning of the book, she even still referred to him sometimes as Weasel. It was only whenever they kind of got a little intimate when she would refer to him as Ed. It's like yeah. she knows that everyone calls him Weasel, but yeah. Oh, and they made mm-hmm. Weasel the person who was the nosy neighbor. They made him homeless, drunk, and the nosy neighbor. And I was like, okay, yeah. I guess. And, and, and Gillespie would would kind of bribe him with money of like, like, come on, Weasel, we know we know you get around mm-hmm. and everything. And um, I just love I love Weasel in this adaptation, especially when Larry Crockett I did when love Larry it, yeah. feels like someone knows, and then. Weasel's like getting warmer, and then Crockett's like, "The fuck's that supposed to mean?" And he just smiles, and it's all like, "Dude, he knows you're fucking Bonnie," you know? Oh yeah, and I love it because he's background, go go for it. Sorry, the no, way go he was for in it. The background of so many scenes, though, if you like looked over the character's shoulder and he was just like looking, yeah, I was like, "Whoa." He's the person you wouldn't expect, which made him perfect because everyone's like, oh, it's just this homeless guy. Like, whatever. Like, what's he going to do about it? It's kind of like that person you never think of. And then he's got all the info. (laughs) I love uh, Elisha Cook Jr. It's like he's such an amazing actor. And when I saw him as like a kid, it's all like, oh, this guy's like he looks so familiar. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I was a grown adult when I started doing more heavily investigation into a lot of, you know, the films and the characters I grew up seeing. Mm-hmm. He was one of the supporting role cast members in the original House on Haunted Hill. He did not change whatsoever facial wise. It's just and, and the thing is, it's uh, uh, he was such a hard man to find that actor at that time, mm-hmm. because by then he like. What was it? I think he. He loved out like in the middle of nowhere. And so the only way to get a hold of him because you couldn't call him was you had to go out to his place and go find him. He was just a hard a actor vibe. to find. You know, what a he, he, he was like, if you want me to work for you, you have to go out there and find me. Um, oh my but gosh. he's like, a, he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. And to see him, it's like, oh, he was in House on Haunted Hill. It's like, how many of these classic actors did Toby Hooper and, and company brought in? Because... You know, James Mason, again, like, he was past his prime. Like, this guy was known for, like, A Star is Born uh, with um, Wizard of Oz lead. I can't remember her name right now, but 
uh yeah like he co-starred with her and when i go back and i look at these it's like there's so much hollywood classics in this in this movie it's what makes me love it that i've never seen (laughs) oh i i know like once we're done with this episode you're gonna have a whole fucking list that that's gonna take you the rest of the year to probably even scratch the surface of the list and now the next follow-up uh ray watches all the movies she's never seen before hollywood classics yeah (laughs) i'm gonna be over here it's like wasn't that great it's all like it was all in black and white that's like oh my god it's like what's wrong with you guys uh, black and white movies I, I watch, a, I think most of my films nowadays are all black and white films that I watch. And people are like, why do you watch that? It's like, it's so old. You know, it's like, yeah, well, you're so stupid. But obviously, we're <laughs> going to state the obvious here. And, you know, I just like old classic films because now it's like a lot of what I see today, even what I grew up watching, I see it at the beginning. So it's mm-hmm. something more of like a reward of I get to find it at its root cause, you know, mm-hmm. like... Even some of the epics that my mom was a fan of, when I watch them now and I watch them with her, I was like, oh, that's from Battleship Potemkin. And she's like, the what? And I was like, that scene, it's it's from, it's the same thing with the baby. You know, but, you know, baby's crying, goes down the, and she's all like, she's like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> we love it. We love it. So that's what it is now. It's like, it's like for my mom, it's like, we watch anything. She looks at me, she's like, shut up. Do not overanalyze this movie. We are mm. going to watch it. And then I'll be over here like, okay. And then the moment that I'm being quiet and we're watching the movie, my mom's like, I wonder where that person's from. And my brain's already clicking like, like a registry. It's like, and like, yeah. Gothic encyclopedia of movies. She, she looks at me and she's like, is this what I really sent you to college for? It's just to be, I was like, I was already the encyclopedia before college. It's like college just magnified some of the other stuff I did not know. And mm-hmm. Next time I'm watching a movie, instead of Googling an actor or actress, I'm just going to send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me how I know this person. Who this? I Who give this? them like five movies and everything, how they died, you know, whatever little scandals they were a part of. <laughs> I like the scandals. That's my favorite thing is when I was watching um, Sense and Sensibility, I think it was, me and mm-hmm. my cousin were discussing it on the podcast. And we found this, like, we went on this long tirade where we found out this person got married because of this movie. And they went through this, like, divorce. Like, it was insane. Like, all the scandal. Yeah. The Nat- Natalie Wood story. You need to look up that one. She was uh-huh. loved by two guys and die drowning on a boat where mm-hmm. both men were at. Uh, it, 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 it was deemed an accident, but there was like a lot of people that kind of wondered what the fuck happened. You know, was it a cover up or was one guy jealous of the other guy? And so they took it out on, you know, it's, it's pretty controversial, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even, even my mom was like, cause what was it? I think it was Christopher Walken. I think he was one of the people. I forgot who the other guy that was. That name sounds familiar. Cowbell. You know, from SNL, you know, I got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. Nothing. Holy <laughs> freaking hell. I just gave her another damn thing to watch now. The, the list is piling up before I've the end of this episode. Of she's going to have like 500 movies. To yeah, I've only watch. seen a few. Did you Here, watch I Love see. Lucy at least on TV land? Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's see if I know any of his movies that you may know. The name rings a bell. Couldn't tell you why. 
I don't know, like hardly Christopher any Walken. Um, yeah. He did the Deer Hunter. He did the Rundown. He played the villain in that one. He uh, he fought against uh, the Rock. Um, Seven Psychopaths is probably a recent one that he's done. Really? Shit. He's in Dune Part Two, but that hasn't come out yet. Oh, really? I can't yeah. wait for that now. Uh, he's in some episodes of The Outlaws. He did Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Um, he's King Louis in The Jungle Book. Yep. There you go. That's a recent adaptation, yeah. <laughs> oh, the recent one? I don't know if I've seen the recent one. 2016? Nope. I don't think I saw it. The one that's like live action? We thought we had her. I don't know. Oh, I don't think okay. I've seen that one. Honestly, we're gonna be here all day. I probably just saw the name in the news or something. He's in a lot of stuff, but like a lot of them, I don't even know or yeah. seen. Ninety nine Sleepy Hollow. Nope. Ants. Oh yeah, yeah. He was in Sleepy Ants, Hollow. Ants, the he animated played... one. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> He's one of the Wait, ants. You you never seen the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, the one with the headless horseman? Wow, that one I thought she would have seen. I haven't seen that one, but I watched a lot of the TV show Sleepy Hollow when it came out because that was pretty good. I tried I to get into that, that. I just could not. It, it was. There were definitely right. some that were like me, but it was pretty good. Anyways, Salem Lot movie. <laughs> Salem so, Lot movie. <laughs> one of the things I really want to talk about really quick is the fact that when Bonnie is cheating on her husband, the windows are open. (laughs) Like, not only do you live in the smallest town physically possible to still be considered a town where everybody knows everybody, but you also are just cheating on your husband with the windows open? Like, are you stupid? Mm Mm-hmm. You... Yeah, small towns, you can pick up on some of that stuff really easy. And to have your windows open is just like, you're, why don't you rent a billboard? Yeah, just be like, I cheated on my husband. Just throw it up there, you know? But of course, she was dumb enough to think that he was sent off, you know, to to go pick up that that package for Straker and uh everything. And and no, he, he already knew. He knew there was something going up, so... Yeah. The, the moment he he's telling um what's his name uh Larry Crockett and uh, Ned Tibbetts to like you know hey like here's the truck go pick up the damn package and uh you know yeah. it, it, it it's more like you know it's uh what is it cuz they they didn't get paid off like in the book and everything they they were just like go up there do what the hell the guy wants and everything and you know get your ass back here and He's like, what are you going to yeah. do? It's all like, I got to I gotta handle some business first. And then you're like, wow, that's pretty quick that he's like, he's caught on that his wife was fucking around with her boss and everything. Well, it's funny how quick they're like, oh, she's probably sleeping with him. That's probably what he's doing. And they're just like, so like, nonchalant Not about it. They're just yeah, like, oh, yeah, guess it was time for her to get caught. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, well, what would you do if you had a gun in your garage? Like, Whoa. <laughs> Right, but like, but like, also too. At the same time, like when we were introduced, he was looking at her breasts, so he didn't even make it. You know, yeah. when, when, when yeah. they were in their work, when they were in their workspace, he was obviously staring at her breasts, and she was making it very well apparent to look at my breasts. 
you know, they knew exactly what they're doing and they were doing this shit in front of the town thinking that they would not get caught thinking that her husband was just some drunk idiot. And it's like, nope, not this time, you know, so dumb stuff gets around so fast in small towns that it's like majority of people probably already knew. And they were just like, don't say anything. Now, if they had that one woman in there that's constantly yapping her mouth off on the telephone wire and everything, that shit would have been found out a lot sooner in this adaptation. Especially because mm-hmm. she's on the phone being like, I want you to come over right now. I need you. But I'm like, bruh. Anybody could just pick up the phone and be like, what? Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Like, because they all share the same telephone line. Town's too small. Yeah. So... What are you doing? But oh, but yeah. also too, they they kind of changed a little bit of the outcome where you don't really get what was in the book mm-hmm. and everything. Like we just more or less get more of a snapshot of like, oh, he hits her. That's about it. So that's yeah. all we can probably just sit there and afford is he just he still abuses her, but it's not nearly probably in the most graphic way in which the book portrayed. Which I think at that time they probably would not have been able to do that. Because yeah. there was even still some extremes of Stephen King's books. Um, we're, we're not even touching the stuff that he secretly wrote under a pseudonym. Uh, but like just his books alone, there was some that you couldn't touch the subject on television or movies yet until a mm-hmm. little bit way later where it was socially much more acceptable, much more acceptable um, for that. So, Yeah, I... I also think, like, it's sad, too, that she's the lucky one because she got out of town when he, like, basically kidnapped her and got her out of town so she didn't turn into a vampire like the rest of the town did. I also think it's interesting that all of this happened over, like, three days. Pretty much. Yeah, this was a lot more quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Danny Glick turned into a vampire the same night and was at, like, Mark's bedroom door, bedroom window, trying to get in. Yeah. Like, same night. I was like, okay. Yeah, it was very quick storyline in this one, for sure. Yeah, they, they had to speed up. It. It, it makes sense. If they would have did a TV show out of this, then they probably mm-hmm. could have stretched it out to, like, the three months. But oh, in, yeah. film, you, you, in film, you have to have everything. You can't just keep skipping month over month over month. Because sooner or later, people are going to be like, well, where are we at now? Like, yeah, where yeah. are we in this story? Because if they have to keep up with the timeline... You know, even if you have like a great story, if you keep hopping over and it's not made so clear, you're going to feel so, what's the word? Lost. Uh, I think it's a, it's more in loss, like a just disjointed. Yeah. You would feel yeah. so disjointed that you'd be like, like all this is happening within this time span, but yet we're crunching it into three hours and three minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing we learned in um, screenwriting was that you don't have the same freedom as like a book just because you're trying to make it for a film. You have to adjust things like the timeline to make it fit for film versus the book. But you can yeah. still sit there and do time jumps because they did. That oh, yeah, Benj- they did that with Benjamin Button. They kind of did that with Shawshank. Because even mm-hmm. for the, the length of what that, it wasn't a three-hour movie, but it was close enough to it. And that was supposed to talk about almost like a whole sentencing of what uh, Morgan Freeman's character went through, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So there are ways to do it if you know how to cut at the right time and then pick up at the right time where it doesn't feel. Yeah, exactly. Too much. Oh, I did forget to mention, I totally saw Weasel in the background of the scene of um, Cully holding a gun up to Larry Crockett in the living room because there's a mirror on the wall. And if you look in the mirror, you can see Weasel staring in and watching. (laughs) You know what? We need to make a drinking game out of this. Every time we see Weasel in the background, we take a shot. Yeah. Because now I have to go back and watch that. I did not pick that one up. That one's I new. saw thank it. You, thank you for picking that up. So now I definitely have to watch it. It's at the very first weekend. part when they walk in the room. That's the only time it lines up and you can see him in the mirror. The other and watch, time he wasn't actually like, supposed to be in the scene. That was just a hiccup in everything. It it's would like, be funny like, either way. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like anytime this actor pops up on screen take a shot i mean and... look at what they were doing with the window open if you wanted a free peep show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there you go with a beer like uh-huh, like just drinking yeah his beer he's like and... oh it's time for my uh weekly peep show let's go um and then also, it's like oh still fully clothed the peep, uh, the peep show turns into a freaking telenovela and i was like oh this is like oh, I don't have to pay ex- usually you have he's to pay like, extra oh, for damn. this and... right <laughs> this took an interesting turn let's see what happens I really liked the actress they uh, cast for Susan too. I thought she was really, really pretty. Oh, Bonnie Bedelia. Yes. Yeah, she she yeah. played John McClane's wife in Die Hard, that you never saw. And she <laughs> was in a, she was in another Stephen King property of Needful Things. She played uh, the main character's wife, um, which is uh, not Ed Helms, Ed something. I'm forgetting what his name is, but he plays a cop role, and it's kind of very much similar to like the Ben Mears role that. Uh, he's not really like a stranger to the town, but he knows there's some weird shit going on that's supernatural, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure it all out. But yeah, yeah. Bon- Bonnie Bedelia has been through a couple of projects that sadly no one gives her any praise, and uh, yeah, I think, uh, she I think she's retired. She's the aunt of Macaulay Culkin. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I just looked this up. Yeah, she's seventy-four that's years old. She's st- she's still living. She appeared nice. back in 2017 on Designated Survivor and then on the Netflix series What If in 2019. So she is still doing work and she still has some stuff in post-production coming out this year. Mm. She's still Dang. doing work. Yeah. I nice. love that for her. Had a girl. Um, there was a lot of Ben. Money. Max. There was a lot of Ben blaming himself in the movie that didn't happen really in the books. So that was interesting. It was an interesting choice. I wonder how much of that got cut out from the final cut. Because you yeah. the, the blaming stuff. Because even then, I haven't been able to really find deleted scenes. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they even decided to add that into like a special feature thing. But yeah. Um, yeah. The Also the black suit moment where they were like immediately trying to investigate Straker. Like he could just not bring his suits in. I don't know what that was supposed to do, why that was added, but I was like, okay. Oh, because Ben found uh, what was supposed to be a fiber that looked very similar to the suit that Stricker wore when they were well, looking yeah. for the Blick Boys. They found out, so the only reason that they asked for the suit was they were looking to check if that suit was ever actually damaged. But also, too, Stricker could have had like a whole nother one and just burned that one and then yeah. said, I only have two suits. Because he told him, I have two suits. He could have been lying right there. Yeah. And it's all mm-hmm. and Straker. I, I'm pretty sure Straker's a lot smarter than the average bear here. And you know, mm-hmm. he's looked at it as like, "Fuck, I tore it. 
you know, I need to sit there and I need to get rid of this because this could be used against me and everything could be blown yeah. all the hell. Yeah, I just don't know as a director choice why they added that little subplot in. I don't know what it did because it wasn't in the book. I didn't think it was necessary, I, to be honest. Was it Was it not in the book? I thought it was no. in the book. No? I don't remember. It well, the they, they probably added that to add some more to, to the point. Of, they're looking at Straker and Ben as maybe one of the root cause why the boys have disappeared. Why one appeared yeah. sick as ever with all those illnesses and why the one that they still are trying to look for has not showed up. So that was probably Gillespie's way of, I need to figure out who are these two individuals. And then also to find out that there's a Mr. Barlow coming, but he's in New York right now on a buying trip. They kept to that like the book where yeah. that was the reason why Barlow wasn't quote unquote around. But the thing about this miniseries is they even show even before Ben gets there that you know uh barlow's uh barlow's energy and power was already there it seemed like even before he got there it's very much like dracula where that presence and that fear was already looming mm -hmm. you know it's like he already planted that dark seed and you know the people are just gonna see uh do i live or die and yeah i thought that scene was very much like a way of pinning it to him because like ben was at the crime scenes obviously so that's easy to pin but i was like okay how do you pin it besides he's just new in town and then yeah. for it to be like you wear a suit all the time that's kind of like a little yeah. bit of like that extra um what's the word like not motivation but like extra little bit that can push you to be like okay he's not just new in town he may have something to do with this yeah because yeah even living in a small town for me like if someone new shows up and stuff weird starts happening i'm not immediately like, like oh it's this person because they're new in town it's like this town's full of weirdos anyway <laughs> it could yeah. be just any one of them so just being new isn't really a hey let's go check this person out but but also too yeah. for this in a storytelling standpoint, this is just for the screenwriter and the director to also have the audience be involved with who do they think because if no one's ever read that book, this is their first time being taught yeah. this story, being told this. Mm -hmm. So you always have to keep your audience engaged, even if it is something that's like, why is this in the movie? As long as it kind of could help push the, push the narrative and push the people to think who could have possibly have done this. We already kind of get this oddball feeling from Straker. We know mm -hmm. we're supposed to like Ben. We know Straker's been wearing these suits. Ben finds this little piece of fabric that's been on here. So we're supposed to, in our mind, think, oh, shit, that could be Straker's because he's been parading around in these suits. He doesn't mm -hmm. show any other suits whatsoever. Yeah. So two plus two equals. That's the one thing for yeah. screenwriters and storytellers and film is don't give them the answer let them figure it out themselves you know yeah. give them two plus two and let them figure out four um fair enough i do think it was interesting that they added in that uh susan already went to new york city so at least it felt like her life reached its goal you know what i mean like that was like a big goal in the book was for her to at some point go to new york city and then obviously she dies so yeah it's this nice one they gave they, it to her 
Yeah. But the thing that was interesting to me is that she has this whole job interview in Boston and like Ben is freaking out about it. I'm like, Ben, listen, you can literally work from anywhere. Why are you stressed about her living in Boston? Right. Just write in Boston. Like, that's the one nice part about being a writer. You can do it wherever you are. Like, sure, sometimes you need to study a town, but like, you don't have to. In this adaptation, though, it really sits there and feels like what the book, sorry, where the book kind of, I don't know, to me, it didn't really state why he was there other than just to write a book. In this adaptation, it really sits there and shows that the theme is it's, or, or Ben's goal was to also confront the evil that he saw back then. You know, he needs something new to write because the last book failed. So it's like, what do I write about? Well, I'm going to go confront my old fears from childhood when I saw Hubie Marson hung in the second floor. So that's what I'm going to go do. It's not only going to be a writing project, but it's going to be something that I am going to conquer my fear. And in doing so, him trying to conquer his fear, he ends up finding something a little bit more fearful lurking yeah. in that house. And of course, then it's still always, you know, asks the question. Cause the, the, to me, one of the thematic questions is can a house truly be evil mm-hmm. or is it just simply a vessel for evil? You mm-hmm. know, like, is it the house or mm-hmm. is it the people, you know? And, and this really answers it that maybe it could actually be both, you know? Yeah. Yeah. From approximately where it is, to Boston is only two hours and 30 minutes also like okay buddy I guess (laughs) um it's not that far of a drive Mm -hmm. and so it's like you could easily work it out yeah yeah like it's not like it's like two days away it's two hours I mean, you could also, if you really need to be there weekend in your hometown during the week, live in Boston. Yeah, exactly. You know, or vice versa, weekend in Boston with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Switch you off know? or something. Yeah, I feel like it's not that hard. No. It's not that big a deal. But also, like, the whole subplot of him writing the book about the Marston house was in the book itself but it wasn't as like focal pointed yeah as this one made yeah. it it was more tossed around by the town almost immediately it seemed like mm-hmm. yeah like he was very kind of like hush hush about it in the book and then this one he's just like oh yeah I'm writing about the house and everyone's like he's writing about the house oh my god the house <laughs> but like, but the like house. even then there were like there was some people that seemed a little bit more entertained by it like oh god like uh, a very famous author is writing about our town. And it's like, obviously that's King Stroken right there. Like mm-hmm. as famous as he's got, he's like, I get to write about my, my, my state. And I'm pretty sure most people who, when they, when a new Stephen King book comes out, they're like, Oh, I wonder what place in Maine is now too horrible to live in. <laughs> in Stephen King's world. Like as much as it could probably be a great tourist attraction at the same time, I'm pretty sure some folks from Maine would be like, God damn freaking Stephen King. It's like, we had such a nice, cozy little town. Now everyone's all like, run away. I saw Pennywise in the storm drain. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> Nova, hear me out. When we get our camping vans, uh, we should go on a Stephen King road trip. Okay. Most just... of the towns he sets things in are just made up, but they're in like actual areas. I don't care. I want to take photos 
by things that were either in the movies or if there's an actual town name. I just think it could be fun. Just a little fun road trip going through Maine, mostly. I mean... What, she finds out all those areas and everything from, like, the movies. It's like, oh, we're gonna have to go to California. We're gonna have to go up to Canada. Shit. <laughs> Listen. Um, like... Salem's Law obviously isn't a real town, but it's in Cumberland County and it mentions like Falmouth and Portland and Cumberland, which are real towns. Mm -hmm. And it mentions some other ones at one point. At one point it mentions Waterville, which is where I'm from. (laughs) Yeah, I I forgot. I don't don't think I even noticed that. Like I noticed they said like Portland, Maine, and I was like, oh, I've been there. But I don't think I saw Waterville, which is It was mentioned like once in the very like end of the novel it said someone was coming down from waterville um so and then like yeah (laughs) bangor is a real place bangor is where the stephen king house is Mm. um and you can go it's dairy's made up right dairy's the made up town dairy where where, where is that supposed to be right yeah dairy maine Uh, because dairy dairy is when insomnia i think insomnia yeah, insomnia and it take place in. I know um, Gary, Indiana is a real town. Because the, 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 there's quite a few Stephen King towns that are iconic uh, that are completely made up. The fictional town of Derry that appears in so many of stories is based on Bangor. Oh, okay. So his home. Yeah. <laughs> the second largest place, city in the state. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> It's fine. Um, yeah, I was looking at the map of where some of the places were the other day, just for the fun of it. I wanted to... Is there, like, a book nerd road trip map? Has anybody come up with that yet? Hold on, I'm gonna look at this. No, but you just gave me a paycheck to do now, so... <laughs> Someone's gonna pick it up. Yeah, love that. Someone figure it out. I don't want to huh. make one. I just want someone else to tell me all the good spots. Ooh. American Gods is ripe for... That uh, book nerd. Um, no, go away. I'm trying to read this thing. So well, that's God's kind of. The US. I'm looking at. Aha. Is this it? Um. Ba, 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 ba. This might be something. I'm gonna pop it here. You hear the purrs? Purr, purr. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Why is the university of Maine here? Okay, but like, dude, that freaking. Oh, it met him at the library. Okay. What? The Hell what? Yeah. The gate at Stephen King's old house? Goddamn. Yeah. I think they're Killer. turning it into like a writing thing or something. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to get there in advance and uh, you like pay and I think you get to like stay for like a certain amount of bit and he like does like a table reading of your works and everything and like he helps you with whatever project that you go there. I, th- I think you have to sit there and tell them what's the project and if it's like a screenplay or a book mm-hmm. and I think he more or less schedules it so like there are screenwriters and then there are novelists and then you know short stories and he kind of does like a almost like a like a table read. That's cool. Um, I still need to read on writing. Everyone's told me to do it. And we I read it. a lot it. of that yeah. in um, 
creative writing. That was one that we did a lot. Multiple and people just sent me a PDF version of it. Oh, here we go. This is what I was looking for. I think that's what I was looking for. An archive and retreat. I mean, if we had money, this would be fun. To go on a writing retreat. You can literally go up to the, like, the gate. People take pictures in front of the gate and the house all the time. That's cool. Like, let me see. If you, like, look it up on Instagram, mm-hmm. the, like, location, you see people yeah. doing it all the time. Very good. Standing there all the time. Uh, let's see. Anything we need to finish up with? Let me look. The antlers. Oh my god, yes, we need to talk about the freaking antlers. I don't understand why they made um the doctor's death him being impaled on antlers, but they still kept the falling scene, but it just didn't hurt anybody. Like I don't understand what the cause of that was. I never I... got it unless maybe that was a visual thing that the director wanted that maybe falling into the dark being plunged that would have you know yeah that that works for a book but visually we're working in a visual medium i think that did a little bit better i well, like to throw through him at least or something like yeah i like the him getting impaled on the antlers was that part i like it was the part of Stringer just walks over, picks him up, and then just, like, walks over and just shoves him on, like... Yeah, yeah. there's obviously this huge room of, like, gap that, like... He there's no fighting. He's just, like, okay, like, picks him up like he's, like, a tiny child, too, just as, like, effortlessly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. all right, I would have been okay with you getting yeeted against these, but why are we like, walking yeah. you and just, here you go, push... Like, this movie kind of gave Barlow not, some super strength. They're quite they're pointy. But they're not... If you're just pushing someone on it, it's just going to hurt like a bitch. Yeah. It, it's going to be a painful slow death. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to be just like, oh, they're going to come right through you. It's going to mm-hmm. hurt. Because they're not like points. Sure. They're yeah. grounded. Yeah. So just walking him on it made no sense. And it's so weird to give him superhuman strength and the ability to, like, carry a grown man and impale him on antlers. But yet when he walks down the damn stairwell stairwell to confront Ben and uh, Mark and fucking Ben, like, just puts five bullets in his ass and he just yeah. fucking drops. Yeah. Like, in the in the book, obviously, it it made it so there seemed like he was a superhuman strength level guy compared to Mark mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Mark was a child. So he was able to manhandle him yeah. a little bit better, you mm-hmm. know, as well as Susan. You know, um, but yeah, in this movie adaptation, yeah, it's like randomly, I don't know, maybe you could try to bullshit and say it's an adrenaline rush that he had that it's like, oh my God, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. And like the adrenaline rush just came in. But to grab a guy by his arms like that, for one, he would have been able to wiggle, but also to in shock too. Someone just randomly Mm -hmm. came up, you're going to freeze up, but to pick him up and then you have that time of like, ah, and then bam, he gets... But I still gotta say, it's yeah. a really good shot of like how like his eyes are almost rolling in the back of his head. It's a wonderful shot, but yeah, it's very laughable with those couple of seconds and frames before then. Yeah, where it just, boom, picks them like, up. Like just like 
Like he's Herman Munster and yeah, just, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I also yeah. am a little disappointed that they cut all of Father Callahan's screen time. Yeah. I know, he was there like once. And he yeah. was just like... He was shaky... there for the Glick Boy. <sighs> yeah. And then he was there to... Uh, why was he there with Mark? Because To talk about him imagining quote-unquote okay so the parents call like, him yeah. that's right that's yeah right. yeah which yeah. i didn't like that at all yeah but that was just weird that, that was a huge switch around because even like mark's dad mark's dad didn't really come off as a religious guy yeah. he didn't really sit there like in the book he didn't sit there as like oh i'm gonna talk to you know the father about yeah. our son's behavior now in the book it's like i can do it myself I don't need yeah. some holy man coming in here telling me how to fucking raise my yeah. own kid. Whereas this yeah. one, it's all like, it's like, oh my God, Mark with all those monsters. And then he's not crying because the Glick boys have died. Like, what's wrong with our boy? Is he a psychopath? Yeah, no, there's there, there's yeah. really not. But again, oh, also, we're con- we are compressing almost 600 pages into three and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. There's also no reason for Susan to have gone to the Marston house at all. Yeah. Which was annoying. Because mm-hmm. um, that her turning into a vampire just didn't make sense. Um, and then and they changed every- that iconic role from the book. That iconic moment yeah. where Ben was supposed to stake her at the house. Yeah, they yeah. changed all of that. You know, yeah. um, I did which- like that she found them though. I did. Yes, that was that was pretty good though. It was pretty solid, but like also I was just annoyed because it's like she shouldn't have even had to have been in that situation. Yeah, because exactly. Of the they made. Um, I also was really mad about how loud they were being inside the Marston house when they're trying to like sneak around. I'm like, shut up, you idiots! They're like stomping around, throwing shit, running Mark, in the though, in the book broke a window. Yeah, I, well, yeah. He, he he broke it, so either way, they would have known. Barlow would have known unless Stryker was there. Yeah. But, you know, when, when that happened, Stryker was behind them. He was just coming home. So yeah. they didn't mm-hmm. act quick enough where I think in the movie, he he was he was there in the house. You know, he, he yeah. just quickly got him, knocked him out, and um, yeah. Yeah, but also too, just... they, they 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 try to keep it all at the Marson house. That was where evil reigned. They didn't have it where evil moved over to where Ben was at. You didn't mm-hmm. spend much time where Ben was housed at. You know. Yeah, I did like that. Like having it more at this house. Yeah, me too. I didn't like how we had like no Mark and Ben, and then all of a sudden they're just like best buddies. Yeah. Like they hardly knew each other, and then he's like, "Oh, I gotta go with Ben. Bye." It's like, and they kept saying each other's names when Mark didn't know their names. Yeah, it's like, just one of those like, ones of like he had to have heard it around or something. Or I guess he was just like, "Oh, gotta go find Ben." And it's like, how do you know this guy? You haven't even met him yet. Yeah. Also, too, that- there could be deleted scenes where they had probably previously have met, but obviously, you know. It's not like today where yeah. we have deleted scenes where you could sit there. It's like, oh, well, okay, this makes sense. That makes sense. Even though, yeah, Star yeah. Wars was 77 and they still kept their deleted scenes. And this is only two years after Star Wars. But not many sets kept their deleted scenes. They just sat there and kept them on the cutting room floor. And then they were never yeah. properly taken care of. And so they're they're lost yeah. to time. You yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was kind of laughing about, though, is in the scene where they have to find the root cellar. 
Mark is like obviously looking at this very obvious door and he's like poking around. He's like, I think there's a door here. He, like, yeah, no shit, buddy. I also <laughs> think there's a door there. Like, what? I just, I right? could not handle it. It made me laugh so hard. No, dude, that's like totally it when, a wall. Yeah. It's fine. You know, there's yeah. nothing there. Mm. I like it when they finally get to, to stake in Barlow. And he tells mm-hmm. him, don't look. And he just shoves his kid. And this kid just goes yeah. right into the wall. And it's like, yeah, concuss the child. You know. Though, of yeah. course, also, too, Ben, I think, popped the shit out of him quite a few times in the book. You know, fighting him to prevent the gun thing. But, yeah. you know, just just that scene alone of, don't look at him. And he just shoves him. And that poor mm-hmm. damn kid just, like, knocks his head. And But he, he was quick to lose. You know, he didn't fight Ben. But, you know, the whole thing of, like, when he's looking... And it's creepy because it's how the light is swinging back and forth, and it's that intensity of yeah. And the vampires they're they're, they're about to they're about to kill Barlow here, and you're looking in the back and you're seeing the reflection of their eyes, and you're seeing you're seeing Tibbets, you're seeing uh, uh, Mike, you're seeing uh, Eva and Weasel, uh, 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 Bonnie, you're seeing all of them under there walking towards, and it's like oh my god, kid, turn around and look, you know, close oh, the no, door. Bonnie got out of town. Bonnie wasn't there. I'm pretty sure I saw her though. They were out of town like immediately. Are you sure you're not thinking of Gillespie and his kids and his family? Parkins left with his. No, kids. They, he left, but Bonnie and Colin also left after he beat her. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one then. Yeah, double check it. I might be wrong, but because um, I, I remember seeing down in the cellar there was a woman in pink, and that was what Bonnie was wearing the night that. Um, Unless they fucked up and just, you know, put her in Yeah, there. they could have. They could have sat there and had, we need more bodies. Okay, it's like, yeah. maybe yeah. no one will notice. And I'm over here, it's like, I noticed. I noticed. Yeah, I didn't see her, but, you know. Yeah, they, like, had her but out You house. even see Crockett, and what's funny is none of these vampires, like, change wardrobes, so they're still in the same clothes. So Larry Crockett's still in his freaking boxers as a vampire, <laughs> and he's just crawling in the dirt and it's like yeah fred word uh fred ward you get dirty in there like just crawl <laughs> well the thing that's funny to me though is they changed danny glick's outfit and put him in pjs he's the only vampire that got put in pjs because when he went over he was just wearing normal that's kid right clothes. yeah and then when he visits them he's like scraping on the window in pajamas yeah holy shit yeah yeah, yeah. Again, everybody else I've, has I've, I've seen this. I used to watch this almost once a month now. God. Let's see. This oh. is why we have other people watch this so that they can yeah. sit there and look at all the other little details. And it's like, now I oh, gotta yeah. pay attention to that. Yeah, that's you know, in my yeah, notes. Why is he wearing pajamas? <laughs> yeah, because he was the one that disappeared. Yeah. And everything. So so unless like something happened in the clothes where they were so damn ripped and he's all like, oh, I gotta go to yeah. my mom's place and change my PJs because my clothes are all ripped and I've shit my pants and <laughs> you know stuff yeah. like that where you know vampires don't want to sit in what they brew like you know they they, they gotta change right. their clothes from look from at time susan's to time. outfit two years later and she's wearing this gorgeous ball gown Easy yeah gown, i guess but also too i think because of what they did with uh with um uh barlow is mm-hmm. that also too it was supposed to be more of a mockery to the bride you know to like the idea of religious matrimony and so yeah when they were there in the epilogue i think that that was supposed to be more because you know in most writing if you're really really good at at your your religious subtext you always you always bring up the uh the the number three 
um, you always kind of bring up something that's super religious, like marriage or um, uh, sex of any kind, anything that is supposed to be deemed godly, you, yeah. you mock it. That that that's yeah. your that's your easy cannon fodder of you want to scare someone, mock something very sacred and religious to them. You know, like when Barlow confronted Callahan and everything, and you know he just grabbed that cross and just threw it down on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't all that cool stuff that was in the book, even then for like what was used as a visual, that was a great visual, you know, especially yeah. when he felt like that power was failing. We didn't get the cool glow. We didn't get any of that, but you could feel it regardless. And it's just grabs the cross and just throw yeah. it aside. And, and that was enough right there. You didn't need all the extra special effects that th- those two actors alone. And it's so sad that Reggie Nalder is not shown a lot in this movie because it's really, really great. Um, it's really great. Uh, what's it called? Uh, special effects used on him. You know, they only used them for like certain highlights, but I think that was also hide the monster. You know, they were still following mm-hmm. those old school horror movie filmmaker tropes of, especially if the monster didn't look good, you, you hit him in the shadows and you did this. And you didn't do it into the full face reveal when they actually probably had the whole costume done. Um, so I'm pretty sure for him, that was only two days of work or mm-hmm. one day of work, you know? Um, but that, that in the scene where like they kill him and he starts melting. That's my favorite part. Oh, I love that good. scene. I did not expect him to melt. I'll be honest. Yeah. Right. They, they, they were bringing in other lore from other film vampires. Cause that obviously never happened to Straker. I don't think, yeah. Straker did not deteriorate. He just, mm-hmm. he just died. That was it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It would have been even funnier uh, in the book if they would have hit it to home of like, okay, we staked them now to make sure it stays. And then you just slam the coffin right there. It's like, yeah, that bitch is in there, you know. Very good. Yeah, but that is all we have time for. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much for joining me. <laughs> I've already got to edit two hours, so we're going to have to cut it short. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, good. You guys get back. It paused and I was like, oh, God, I'm not losing two hours of audio. You just yeah. like poofed away and I was like, yeah. yeah and like Nova moved over here. Case. I was like, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I still got green check marks. I think we're fine. Okay. But, oh, my God. Okay. All right. Well, thank you both uh, for joining me. Nova, where can all the people of the internet find you and your stuff? Uh huh. People can find me pretty much anywhere at Novasaurus Rex with two X's. I've got like a link tree link to some of them and you can pretty much find me, you know, find one, you find them all type thing. James, where can the people on the internet find you and your stuff? You can find me on Twitch and most of my socials at uh, the Gothic Storyteller and on Twitter at the Gothic Wafer. And we will see you guys on Patreon discussing the O4 version, which uh, James. Boo. Woo. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Rob Lowe. He's, he's still hot and handsome, right? <laughs> all, right. all right. We will see you guys on Patreon. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish podcast. If you want to find me, I'm at Barely Bookish on everything. I'm on Twitter. I'm on 
Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, all the important things like that. But I should be starting Twitch again soon, next week, hopefully. Uh, the Wi-Fi is somewhat working again after almost a month, so you should be seeing more of me here in the near future. Also, if you want to listen to the um, Salem's Lot 04 version of the movie, uh, that should be up on Patreon shortly, so be sure to check that out and you can all enjoy that. But next, our next um, book we're going to be discussing is going to be Black Beauty, so that'll start next week. Uh, we're going to do half of the book, the first recording, and then half of the book, the second recording. So it's going to be great, and I'm excited to talk about it. And it's going to be with Nova again, so. Our logo is designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song was by Raphael Crux, and I'll catch you all next week. Bye!